weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael and Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 364, Mr. Samich. Early huzzah! Early huzzah! Look at that hitting the huzzah before it's even two p.m. Pacific. Yeah, we're going early. We uh, changed the things up. We are that excited to yeah. talk to you about White Barrio today. <laughs> it was a big weekend, man. It was a big weekend. I got to say, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all these three of these preps. Um, well, I'm excited to talk about two of the three of these preps, and then there was this other one that was on synthetic track. Uh, it's interesting, kind of seeing the times come back, specifically the last furlongs, which I'm sure we'll talk about quite a bit here. And comparing that to what happened over in New Orleans uh, two weeks ago. So starting to kind of see the field come together and starting to purse a little bit of this stuff together, figure out who we're actually going to be interested in betting in the Derby. So I'm, I'm excited, man. It was a fun weekend. Uh, it was a busy weekend. I, I mean, it was like 40 races I think we handicapped on Saturday. Uh, we did a live show for two and a half hours, and it felt like there was a race going off every two minutes. It was nuts. Well, especially at the end, it really just at the end just went click, 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 click. Uh, at first, it was frustrating that Goldstream was so far. I was like, oh, Goldstream with their bad uh, post drags. I think it actually kind of worked out by the end. Uh, and also, a huge thank you to JD Fox again uh, at Horse Tickets on Twitter. Uh, JD's a good friend of ours and jumped in. And I was like, look, Aaron and Jared are both gone. Mike and I can't do this alone. We need help. So uh, JD came in and great, gave some great insight. Uh, so hopefully, you enjoyed that. And hopefully, you were along for the ride with us. I know we had. Uh, I think over a thousand last I saw it was over 1500 people, uh, had watched that video with us. So yeah, this is a lot of fun. If you haven't joined us for those Saturday live streams, uh, if you can, man, they're a lot of fun. We hang out in the chat. We do, you know, draft pick fours. We talk about any horse that you've got in the race that we're talking about. Don't ask us about like, you know, Delta downs or some shit, but you know, ask us about what's going on in that race. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll be back at it again this Saturday. We've got three more major preps coming up this Saturday. So the hits just keep on coming, man. Aaron and Jared back at Keeneland. Just, just, I know. Leaving it on us again, so we got to find a new guest to come in here for for next Saturday, maybe even two. Because if you did watch the live stream, you'll note that our boy Magic just jumps out half the time, and so it's just me and JD. Like, where the heck did he go? What's going on? So, look, I'm Magic, and I'm Mike, and I'm both. Like, it's uh, yeah, it's been interesting. So uh, maybe have to get two guests this week. Just saying. <laughs> that, uh, yes, that's true. Well, listen, I'm also trying to edit uh, the videos and reactions on the fly so that I'm not up till midnight. Uh, this was funny. Chris says, I'm serving you both divorce papers from ever betting English B again. Uh, next time, Chris. Next time for that horse, I swear. And uh, let's see. Nick says, I'm a fan of Classic Causeway and bummed he ran poorly. But I'm also kind of relieved because I feel like I can handicap Derby without bias now. Or can you, Nick? More on that in a little bit. One of the most interesting horses to talk about from this weekend is going to be Classic Causeway because uh, there was a horse last year that ran too bad to believe in a prep and ran second in the Derby. We'll just put it that way. Um, um, look, see, it's like we've done uh, 363 of these shows before together or something. So I definitely think that's something that, that, that you have to at least keep in the back of your mind because Jose wrapped him up really early um, in that race and he, he kind of knew it was just over. So. We'll talk about that more, obviously. I mean, we're just kind of bantering right now. One Real quick, before we dive into it, 
Congrats to Kevin O again. Uh, man won a BCBC seat on Saturday. Did it uh, with White Barrio. Great way to end it out. Um, and, and one of the reasons he was on him was the uh, owner interview we did. So make sure you check that over at RacingDudes.com YouTube page as well. Uh, the owner pretty much said he was going to win that race on Saturday. It was kind of fun <laughs> that, that that actually happened. <laughs> yeah, because you know a lot of these owners, especially at the higher levels, they'll, uh, they'll oh yeah we're gonna win we're gonna win. Uh, this is not a higher level owner. Um, it's, I believe it's Mark and his brother, right? That, that bought yeah. the horse and uh, bought him privately after his debut. And um, yeah, looking like a good investment so far. But uh, yeah, great story, Mike. And you did a great job with that interview. If you didn't check it out, he says we did it. It's, it's all this guy. It's not me. And the owner also mentions that they privately purchased White Barrio's brother after they purchased White Barrio and saw him work. Um, I don't, don't remember his name off the top of my head right now, oh, but it is in the interview. So if you want to go check that, actually, when Magic plays his little thing to, to intro the rest of the show, we'll come out of it, and I'll be able to know the name by then. That's fine. We're getting some more love for uh, more love for Kevin in there. Yeah, congrats. That is huge. Uh, BCBC is uh, – yeah, I still remember Mike after that one. I've never seen Mike – I wouldn't say saucer plate eyes, but that was the first time that I really saw you just go, whoa, with a betting tournament. It was the BCBC because that just sounded like a new type of animal. It is, especially if you haven't done it before. Cage match is White Barrio's uh, brother. Cage match. Um, yeah, it, it is because it like you just have to pretend it's play money, or else you can't compete, and you got to be willing to put forty thousand dollars to win on a horse. It's just it's wild, um, but that's how you win it. Cage match uh, sold as a let's see, sold as a weanling for twenty thousand dollars. I will bet that they paid a little more than twenty thousand uh, dollars. But as a son of Gormley. So that'll be interesting. Gormley is a horse that I hated because, oh, my God, I hated that horse's name so much. It's just such an ugly name. But Gormley's done so well, a uh, little well, well so far as a sire, I believe. I'd be interested to know how much they paid for him. I didn't ask the question, but they bought him after they bought White Barrio before they raced White Barrio. So they, uh, they knew before we knew to get in on that game. Before everybody else knew, now knows. Got it. Uh, CJ asked this is a good question real quick, then we'll get into things. When does Keeneland draw for Friday? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Keeneland starts Friday, and they draw tomorrow, which means we're not getting Saturday till Wednesday. All three tracks. Thank you very much for that one. It was so when nice. When Santa Anita's Friday's out before you, you're slacking. <laughs> That's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You know what's not terrible, Mike? Some of the action that we got to see this weekend. So let's get into it. Right is up. My first race, we'll talk about the grade one Florida Derby million dollars, mile and eighth for the three-year-olds at Gulfstream Park. And our boy, Wood Barrio getting the job done from post eight. And you'll see here, he had kind of a wide trip into this first turn, Mike. And yet still, uh, because of that, ends up getting farther back than Safi Joseph said they wanted to be. But it didn't really matter, did it? He, he got the job done. He's a good little boy. Yeah, I mean, he, he ran huge here, ran excellent. I, I think the two quick takeaways out of that first furlong is, is they asked Charge It for quite a bit. And Charge It kind of broke on uh, on his toes a little bit and, and didn't get out of the gate as well as I think they would have liked. Mm -hmm. Ends up taking dirt into the face for the first time. Sits here on the inside. Pretty good trip from here. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more Charge It uh, as he get, as he winds up down the lane. White Barrio got the trip we'd expected. Yeah, he was a little wide in that first turn. Um, it probably used a little bit more energy than he necessarily wanted to. But after that, I mean, this is the trip that we talked about where, where White Barrio's high cruising speed on the back stretch, natural speed out of the gate, puts him into a position where he's going to be able to sit behind the speed in any of these races, not get too far back. And then when he starts getting moving and trucking, 
he can make up ground pretty fast around the far turns as and far turn and that's exactly what we saw well, and I think Tyler knows that right there you see Classic Causeway is uh, immediately starting to fade. And Irad Ortiz Jr., the rider, you see he's not even really moving. He's, he's kind of moving his arms a little bit, but he's not asking. Uh, no. we'll, we'll, we'll ask. Right there, he's like, come on, come on, nothing. Nope, he's empty. All right. And he's already quit. You never yep. see Irad quit that early before the quarter pull. So uh, we'll talk about him in a second. But, yeah, so here you see White Barrio still in hand, getting tipped out. Charge it being aggressively handled by the quarter pull there. So take it away. Yeah, I mean, here you see uh, you see Wade Barrio make the move, and, and here it looks like Wade Barrio is going to win by five. And simplification is the main threat. Charge it is a goofy son of a gun right here. You see him going in and out and in and out. And right here, I thought he had a shot, uh-huh. and then he just kind of starts. He switches leads twice right there. He switches back, and now he switches back. Almost runs right up the touche of uh, Wade Barrio, then flies to the outside and just just doesn't quite get there. They weren't exactly flying. You'll see the final time come up here in 150.64 after 136 miles. So 14 seconds for the final furlong. Pretty darn slow. Um, when you look back at it, though, and we'll talk about the fractions, the internal fractions here, and, and I don't know if you have the DRF available to pull up, um, but if you look at the internal fractions from a DRF perspective uh, in the Florida Derby versus the versus uh, the internal fraction, the Arkansas Derby, they went a lot faster, second and third furlong or second and third calls inside of the Florida Derby than they did in the Arkansas Derby. And they went slower at the end of the Florida Derby because of that. So you had some of that middle move jockeying here where you had a fast first quarter in Arkansas, then slow second and third, and a little bit faster fourth. This here we had uh, a medium paced first, fast second and third. Everyone kind of go go forward and then slowed down late. Um, to me, there's two horses I like. There's two horses I want on here. I, look, I, I still think Wade Abari is a legit threat to win the Derby, right? The other one, I'm surprised I'm saying this, is Charge It. I, I was not high on Charge It going into this race. I thought he ran huge. Um, I, I thought this was a heck of an effort, especially when you kind of watch how this plays out here around this far turn where White Abario clearly gets the jump on him, and, and Charge It can't quite get to right where he wants. I mean, he probably wants to go when White Abario goes, but he has to wait for White Abario to clear him and then swing outside of White Abario and try and take the high road. Not exactly the perfect trip, especially for the first time for a horse going two turns and facing winners. So I was impressed with what Charger was able to do, considering everything that happened to him during the race. You know, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I We both kind of thought this was the horse that had the least chance of winning of the four short-priced horses. And, uh, yeah, ran easily the second-best race, I think, in this spot. Um, I, I think this race really kind of, aside from Charger, and you make great points, uh, it, it reaffirmed what I believe. Watch this, by the way. Simplification, change leads. Look at that. Didn't actually matter, did it? Okay, so so simplification <laughs> changed leads, though. I'm, I was happy with the timing of that. He did, he changed leads pretty well. Um, <clears throat> listen, I thought the simplification was a great grinder to hit the board. No shot of winning the Kentucky Derby. I thought that uh, uh, Classic Causeway was a boomer bust. He goes get to wire the Derby, or like we saw right here, he folds like a cheap 10 as soon as he's pressured. Uh, and I thought that White Barrio had a great chance to be a stalker. I think he has an outside chance of winning the Kentucky Derby. I mean, with him being my top five, he's not my top pick. But, um, yeah, so that's what we see from those four horses. Uh, Papa Cap uh, set the, kind of pressured the pace a little bit and then uh, folded late. It sounds like they're going to the Pat Day Mile. But I think, Mike, this at least was a much better-looking race than what we'd seen from him uh, earlier in his three-year-old season. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think this was a good a good version of Papa Cap. Like, I... 
not blown away by it. He was pretty slow in the final quarter of a mile. Um, I, I think the mile distance is probably best for him. I, I think that what we saw is he's just kind of going too far. And Derby Fever caught hold of the connections, which makes total sense with this horse. And he's not as good as these horses going this long. And so it's time to cut back to a mile. He'll probably would be one of the favorites uh, in the Pat Day mile and deserve, deservingly so. So I think he has a legit shot at winning that race. Uh, we'll have to see who else is in there. But uh, look, he ran well against Epicenter the first time he faced him. And he ran well here. So I think you have to respect him. Um, one thing I think that's interesting, a lot of people talking about, and we're going to get to Kathleen O here uh, a little bit later. She was faster than the boys on yep. Friday on, on Saturday. Like the, the the come home time, the final mile, the final or final half mile, the final quarter mile. Overall, she was faster than the boys. Like as much as obviously, I love the Kentucky Derby. Really excited about the Kentucky Derby. Holy crap, the Oaks is going to be good because you have a secret oath going there too. We'll get to all that in soon too. Anyway. Yeah, also I want to get to the chat because you guys have been really great too. Uh, Jared said first one to bring up charges ran huge, got real potential. Yeah, we agree. Uh, did, yeah. Like we were saying, this this race this changed our opinion for the better. Um, Nick says Charger feels like they should skip the Derby and prep for the Preakness or the Belmont. And Chris says Nick, I couldn't agree more. If they went Peter Pan to Belmont, that'd be so much more prudent. Let me ask you this: How much does um, Mo Donegal's effort in the Wood Memorial this coming Saturday? How much do you think that affects? what they do with charge it because different ownership groups, but same trainer, Todd Fletcher. Throw up the O (laughs) when it comes to Kentucky Derby, the ownership group is really what takes hold here Um, because Todd Fletcher can say to an ownership group, look, I don't think we should run him in the Kentucky Derby. And the ownership group will go, it's the Kentucky Derby. Like (laughs) the, the fact of the matter is you just don't have that many horses that are top 10 in points defect from the Kentucky Derby. Right. And that's what charge is going to be here with a 50-point score in this race. So, uh, you know, I, I would be shocked if Charger doesn't end up in the Derby here. Yeah, Todd Pletcher, by the way, not afraid of running um, multiple horses in the Kentucky Derby, even when he thinks he's going to win. Like, 2017, always dreaming wins. Tapperit was sixth, ends up winning the uh, the Belmont Stakes. And Patch, the original one-eyed wonder in the Derby Trail season, uh, was 14th. So he also participated in the Kentucky Derby. So my point is, uh, I bring that up because I know some people will question, but with Todd Pletcher, especially because the ownership group, is uh not it's different um sorry you got to look at all of those uh wrestling thumbnails up there mike i know i know you're you're, you're oh, already man. wrestled out listen damn dude, twitter my... goes nuts with not, your wrestling crap not... listen <laughs> wrestling and horse racing there's a big cross so it's weird there um Vinny brings up a great point here in the chat kind of not as high in this florida group as i was going into the race they didn't come home all that fast says the owner of papa cap in the fantasy league charges showed promise being green but not huge on this group anymore where do you place the florida group right now knowing we still have more 100 pointers to go uh, it's tough. Um, I don't think you can take anything from Classic Causeway out of this race. I, I think you completely draw a line through it, completely ignore it when you're handicapping for the Kentucky Derby. Um, I think Classic Causeway will stalk in the Kentucky Derby, which is going to be different as well. I don't think he's fast enough to go with uh, the horses that are out in California or early voting, um, who I think people are forgetting is a pace pace setup. You don't hear many people talking about him firing out there. So um, I forget. <laughs> I, I, it's, we've only seen him once, but he, he was absolutely sent hard. Um, Look, I probably not as high on White Barrio coming out of this race as I was going in. As a, like, I think he's clearly number two for me um, on the board going into this weekend, where he was a kind of one B horse for me going into this race. Did everything right, but it's the, just the last half mile is what I'm concerned about here. Now, again, the internal fractions of this race were quick. They ran two sub twenty three uh, quarter of a miles internally in this race, so that. that like coming home slower is not that shocking. You don't see sub 23 internal quarters, middle quarters all that often. Like we talk about the breather that like justify got in the Derby where he went 24, 24. 
horses need that middle breather if you really want them flying home. And when when they go, go, go for the first opening qu three quarters of a mile, it's tough to be fast coming home. And that's what they did in the Florida Derby. Um, where was one more chat? Where was it? Uh, they, the guys have been so great in the chat. It keeps flying by. Uh, Chris was kind of agreeing with you there. Yeah. The slow last quarter makes it real tough to take any of these in the Derby. We'll see how things, um, shape up as far as remember with white of Barrio, he's, we haven't seen him since January. So he's coming off a little bit of a layoff again. So, or, or I guess it was the beginning of February this year, but keep in well, mind second off the layoff. He had another cold. Just please like, can we just like get this horse constantly stuffed with like Kleenex so he doesn't get a cold again? Well, let's also not forget, like the last, so the, the the last three furlongs here, Cyberknife went 26, 13.18. So a total of 29.18. And White Abario went 25.6, 14.09 for a total of uh, 39.69. So it, the last furlong was a lot slower. They were faster going before that. So it's kind of one of those interesting spots where both of those races kind of played out the same from a coming home perspective. Now, uh, I was talking to, I, I believe it was Nick earlier today. I think he was asking me about how I kind of look at the Derby. And, and this is not a good look if you're, uh, when you compare it to past numbers, where it's just like you, you got to be faster than that. You, one of the big things that I do is I'll make a chart, an Excel sheet going into the Derby with the opening half, fastest opening half mile, the opening half mile, their last, their personal opening half mile, their last prep race, and their closing half mile of the last prep race. And I'll sort by that. And it often tells you what you need to know from a early pace perspective, as well as who is really coming home the best. And uh, I'm guessing Wade Abari will not be high on the list of coming home the best because of this time. <laughs> uh, question here, Kevin. Uh, epicenter, Wade Abari, better chance in the Derby? I mean, I've been team Epicenter since day one, baby. But, I mean, I, I, Mike, actually, after the Louisiana Derby, you said Epicenter was your number one. And, and you've already said Wade Abari, solid number two. For, and, hey, there's – We've said multiple times, you go Epicenter, White of Barrio, 1-2 in the Derby, you and I are going to be very happy for very many reasons. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, <laughs> Chris says the uh, the Florida and Arkansas Derbies just made him want Epicenter more. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, futures uh, talk. Chris, uh, CJ brings that up. CJ, we're going to be doing a video this week. Uh, we'll do it on Wednesday, Mike and I, to uh, talk about the Derby because they actually moved it. It was supposed to be last weekend, and thank God, Mike, they moved it because – there's going to be a lot of fun horses. They probably might have had it that way because they figured Baffert was going to win Sandy the Derby. So why wait for that mess to happen? But uh, yeah, so CJ, to answer that question, uh, tune in uh, on Wednesday at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Uh, Mike, do you agree with what you see on screen here, though? White of Barrio charge it, simplification, classic causeway, all to the Derby. Yep. And I, I hope simplification doesn't break as well as he did in the, in the Florida Derby. I think simplification would have ran better coming from the back after we'd seen him do it twice in a row in the Holy Bowl and the Fountain of Youth. Here you see him up close to the pace and, and he just got tired down the lane. Like I, we, I thought we saw better efforts from him uh, when he was coming from off the pace. So it'll be interesting to see what tactic they try and do uh, when it comes to the, the actual Kentucky Derby because he has the tactical speed, but you kind of want to be behind uh, way to borrow if you're, if you're simplification and kind of have that kick turning for home because I thought he looked better doing that than he did on the lead. Let's talk about the Arkansas Derby next. We had our boys Aaron and Jared here live to uh, watch this and, and quite disappointed. Well, I should say with the final result because they were really hoping to see Secret Oath just dominate. Uh, it was an exciting finish, or at least for a bit, because she made a nice move in the turn. But Cyberknife got the jump on her early, and, and Cyberknife, that's three nice races now for Brad Cox. So I guess maybe he's got Cyberknife figured out. Uh, yeah, this is a, to me, this is just, 
what it looks like when you trip out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, I, I'm not sure anything. Look, I have no interest in Barber Road coming out of this. I have no interest in Unoho. And, and if I have no interest in either of them, it's tough. I mean, look, you look at where Cyberknife is here. He's sitting in third and they, they're going fast. So that 21.11, I think they ended up uh, adjusting that to 21.3 something. So a slight adjustment, but nothing major. Um, it, but you look at how much they slow down here. I think they, they end up going like 47 for the half. I mean, so he is able to run right up into this pocket. The two horse forgets to stay on the one's hip. He ends up splitting them and just gets just an absolute dream trip. You can see he's in hand when they get to the top of the stretch. He's just kind of able to run wherever he wants. And right here is the split that I'm talking about. Where Cybernet's able to just go right in between the one and the two for okay. no good reason. Did you see Velasquez and, look over like, what the hell just happened? That horse <laughs> just came right up the middle. <laughs> and it's crazy if you watch, like, note where the four doppelganger is right now, too. This is a really weird race from doppelganger. We'll talk about him yes, later. And he's obviously not that good, but like completely spits the bit right here is going the wrong direction. Um, but you look at oh, Cybernet now. Oath coming. Man, at this moment, Aaron said it was deafening when the crowd saw her make this move right here. It was a big move, but man, she like we can talk about her trip man, as well. Stop. Yeah, right and, the and now, she stopped. Now you can see they go one eleven for three furl or for the for the six furlong mark. That's like after going twenty two and change, they had these big breather internally. Cyberknife gets a great spot. It's just a big time advantage to be that much closer. He's able to run home well. I thought Secret Oath chased well here. Uh, you could tell that she just it took all of it out of her to make that that massive move, and it was hard to sustain it. And I, you know. I thought she ran well. I, I just Road. I don't think the trip was good enough. Oh, by the way, that was Doppelganger getting fourth after completely quitting in the backstretch. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that, so, are we sure that wasn't Newgrange? Because that looked a lot like what Newgrange has done before. It, it did, actually. It does look like, except Newgrange won. Um, so it's weird. And here you can see Secret Oath gets squeezed back here. And then you don't get asked. And this is where I have a problem with the ride. He needs to get right in that pocket behind those five horses. And when when she's not there... All of a sudden, she's too far back. She's going to get shuffled again when they all bunch up because of this slow second quarter. It's just a very tough trip for her uh, to then be, be swung five wide and have to try and run down a horse that, that really just tripped out. Uh, Barber Road and Unoho seem like they're 50-50 to go to the Kentucky Derby right now. Cyberknife sounds like all systems are go for him, and why not? I, Brett Cox pretty excited about him, and Brett Cox wants to actually win the Kentucky Oaks, like by crossing with the wire first. Um, as far as other horses here, Secret Oath is going to go to the Phillies, face the Kentucky or for the Kentucky Oaks now. Doppelganger, I have no idea what the hell they're going to do with him. Um, he's going back to California, but uh, yeah, it just hasn't turned out to be the horse that you or I or, or the whole connections team was hoping for. How about we the people? This is a horse that had to break from all the way post nine. And in his two starts was right on the lead. And here he got a lot of kickback and it seemed like that's exactly what this horse hated. I wouldn't mind him coming back at, you know, maybe the Pat day mile, maybe that'd be a good spot. If he can get a favorable setup where he can be on the front end, I think he's, he's got the staying power to go. Yeah. I mean, that was the problem for him. He wants to be forwardly placed. And when, when you're in post nine and they go 22 and, and three and they, they use your, they have their swung five wide. It's just not, it's not the right race for you. And, and Pratt tried to make a decision and, and kind of rate the horse and be able to try and make this move. And we, the people was having none of it. And I don't blame Pratt for doing it because he would have been six wide on a 22 and change opening quarter going a mile and an eighth with a horse that's never gone that distance. Like that's asking a lot from the horse. And so he tried to change up tactics. It failed miserably regroup. And, and I think you're going to get a decent price on a pretty good horse next time out. I'm not saying like, this is just an absolute stable him up and hammer him. Um, but I do think you're going to get, you know, maybe a, a 20 to 30% bump in price because of this effort. 
I didn't see this till just now, but Genghis Khan, this made me laugh. The classic causeway should try the Grand National. It's slow enough. The Grand National is like that like three-mile hurdle race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, yeah, Nick, we just talked about it. But, yeah, it, it. I don't know if it was a sucker bet. He was on the improve, just like Cyberknife, and he had less you know, glaring errors than Cyberknife did. So I think, I think if, man, if you put him on the rail and stick freaking Kavad, who doesn't belong in this race, they know you put him outside. Uh, I wonder how this race goes because we, the people being on the front end with Pratt. Um, yeah. Watch out for we, the people, not obviously in the Derby. Uh, Kevin says, Arkansas, not great this season. Yeah. That's, that's a few, I think three years now, I think it's just yeah. two or three straight years where we've had uh, last year was concert tour and super stock and Caddo river. So yeah, that one was a great, um, sorry, you're going to say something. I, I'm not going to use anyone from this Arkansas race in the, in the super. I mean, this is, this, this whole circuit's a complete Chuck for me. What about Unoho? But Vinny was the one that uh, mentioned this to me. Um, he's gonna the, if he's healthy, he's going, and that's an if because he got checked off the rail twice hard. They had to put yeah, some, that looked some, bad. Some staples into the poor boy's shoulder, and, and he doesn't have his left eye, and that's where he kept, he didn't know the rail was there and kept getting slammed into it. I feel terrible for him. So um, maybe for fourth, he's that kind of force that'll could come up and get it. But also check the odds. If the morning line is anything lower than twenty to one, the people are gonna bet him because he's got one eye, and people are just a sucker for that. Well, the other problem is that there's enough horses that are these mid-pack stalkers, and one or two of the speeds gonna stick around for for, for some piece of it. Mm-hmm. It just I don't think this is a great year for the horse that comes from the clouds hits the board type horse, right? I, I think it's gonna be you've got well now we have essentially Cyberknife. You've got uh, so you've got Cyberknife, which people will play, and we'll be sitting the same trip that way to Barrio and that. Uh, epicenter will be sitting you're going to have a couple good horses up front as well you're going to probably have classic causeway and simplification in that group so all of a sudden you have four or five horses that are going to be sitting behind three or four speed horses and they're going to be seven of the top nine voting cho- or betting choices you got to hope that f- that five of those seven four of the five of those seven fall off for anyone to come up and make the try and that's just that's a lot to ask can i ask you as a, as a fellow father you just want a grade one race $1.25 million uh, purse, and uh, your child is doing this <laughs> this in the, in the winter. Storm. And no no knock on, on his son. I mean, his son is young, and this is what kids do. But just like I'm watching this on TV, and he's just – kid doesn't know. He's bored. Dad, can we go? Can we go? Well, I, would just, I mean, if you're going to bring him there, just let him run loose. I mean, he's holding on to his hand and trying to keep him right next to him. I'd be just like, all right, go wreak havoc, man. Just go go nuts. I, you can't make me mad at this point. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It was uh, it kept distracting me with the first time I saw it. Um, <laughs> Mark says Barbara Road is the next looking at Lee for him. Uh, best of all the local Arkansas horses playing on bomb exotics. Don't hate it. That horse, uh, they, I, I put 50-50 because John Ortiz said right now we have no plans of moving him, which to me means he's not going to move him to Churchill. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't hate that. The horse, he's a trier. He loves to try. I wouldn't play him above fourth, but he loves to try. Same for you. No, I wouldn't play him in four. Oh, right. I'm sorry, you did say that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Barber Road fan. Like like if you're you're slopping up and trying to get up for third in this race. I'm not really that interested. How about a race and a horse that you really are very interested? Oh, in? Let's go to Turfway Park, Mike Samich. Oh. I, I, Ruby Stakes. Uh, I should we'll, have had Tis the Bomb on most over bet when we did this last week. That was an over, oversight on mine if I did not include Tis the Bomb on, on most overbet horse in the Derby. Jeff Ruby Stakes, you're going to have one horse coming out of this going to Kentucky, and that's Tis the Bomb. Or he could go to the English 2000 Guineas on April 30th and or the Irish 2000 Guineas on May 21st and or the Epsom Derby on June 4th and or the Irish Derby on June 25th. The reason I say that, these are all places in the last week McPeak said he would send this horse next. 
Where is he doing? Where is he going to go with this horse? What is he doing? Well, he's going to go to the Kentucky Derby. The, that was broken news today. Like he never <laughs> was not going to Kentucky Derby. Um, this is a turf horse. Okay, this is not a dirt horse. I have no interest in Tis the Bomb at any price in the Kentucky Derby in any spot in the Super, and I cannot wait for him to get bet because he's already going to get bet. Um, I, I just, I'm not even in a little bit interested. We saw what happened in Florida when he faced good horses on the dirt. Like we saw it, I we mean, literally saw it. You <laughs> it saw didn't go what, well. <laughs> well. You saw what happened when he faced good horses and shit horses. He didn't pass any of them. He hated the kickback. Guess what? He's not fast early. Guess what? He's gonna get in Kentucky a whole yeah. fucking face of kickback for a mile and a quarter. And, no, and, and this is not the best field ever either. <laughs> like, let's also no. like bring that into account. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm I think I've made it quite clear. I'm I'm against his the bomb. Well, we have everybody here, and we're watching the replay. Though I think we should talk about Katish because I want Katish out of this race. <laughs> I don't know where Katish is going to go, but Katish got a awful, awful, awful. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I got. I want to just. So, his the bomb will be around ten to one, maybe less. Uh, it, like. People will bet this horse, and people are already talking about betting this horse. And we are a month out. Like I, I, I'm guessing, around ten to one. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I would be surprised if, if it's twenty five. I'd be shocked if it's twenty five to one. I was just. I'm going to look up. Set. Keep talking. Go back to your original point. I'm going to look up what the actual overseas odds are right now for a couple. Places so we going. we talked about Katish. Uh, did is that? Oh, it's a different race. Never mind. The eleven wasn't Katish. There was it. That's the oh, Katisha's. Yeah, that's the yeah. We'll go. We'll talk about Katisha in the. You're so excited about the Bourbonette Oaks. You want to talk? Yeah, the Phillies were so much more interesting to me than the than the boys were this weekend, which is ironic because obviously this this is a Kentucky thing. Um, we'll see. I'm telling you, that horse is going to get bet. There's already people on Twitter like, "Oh, that's my Derby horse. That's my pick. That's the one." Like, I, I, it's crazy to me that people are already high on Tis the the Bomb. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, no interest in anyone out of that race. Not even a little into the Kentucky Derby. I, I Tawny Port a little bit interested. Red Run a little bit interested. Who got a bad trip? Uh, maybe we'll see what happens next time out for Ashes in there, especially if we go back to turf. Um, but yeah, I, I no one in, no interest in anyone in there from the Kentucky Derby perspective. I was trying to. I can't. Oh, it's Bavada. I was like, I can never remember what the one is that you look at for. Uh, Do you want me to tell you what the odds you are? Look it up. You're a lot better at this than I am. I'll get excited for the next race because I agree with you on this one. The horses. There's too many people that love him and too many people that love his trainer. And you know what, Mike? Let's talk about a horse in the Philly that we really do love. Throw up the O for Kathleen O. Wins the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Gotta love it. Um, if it'll play. There they go. All right. Um, is it not playing on the other screen? It's not playing on the screen. All right. We'll pull that off for now. 18 to 1. Uh, the bomb's 18 to 1 right now in the future pools. 18 to 1 right now in the future pools. You'll yep. be a lot less than that. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about Gulfstream Park Oaks. I don't know why that's not working, but the Gulfstream Park Oaks was uh, uh, on Saturday as well. But Kathleen O was one to two in the gate and she broke cleanly, Mike. Oh, my God. I, we, I said it. We were watching doing the live reaction like immediately. She broke cleanly. She still went to the back, but she broke cleanly. She didn't spot him, which I think was a big help here. Um, as far as uh, from this race, it seems like she and runner-up Goddess of Fire will go. Goddess of Fire was second in the Fairgrounds Oaks. I don't have a problem with them sending her. Uh, you know, you were good enough to get second to Mike Samich's uh, Kentucky Oaks pick here. Uh, if Kathleen O has a bad break in the Kentucky Oaks, Goddess of Fire, I mean, it's a three-length difference. She could spot him three lengths easily enough, so I don't hate the move. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Goddess of Fire should go. Um, it ran behind the probably best 
I, and I, I would take, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking Kathleen O over Secret Oath. This was just your, I don't want to get this horse in any type of trouble ever trip from Kathleen O, where they just kept this horse five wide on both turns. The, the ground covered number is probably wild in this. I didn't look it up, uh, but I guarantee it's a pretty big plus. And this is the thing. Right now, Goddess of Fire is all in. Right now, Kathleen O has not been hit. You'll see one time right about here. There. Yeah. That's it. Nothing else the whole stretch. Everything else is a hand ride. Show, show her the stick a little bit. We haven't seen the bottom of the tank for Kathleen O. And if no. your concern was two turns, check it off. This was not even a good trip going two turns without being asked, where she was just able to draw off. And she was faster than the boys. So if you're all about White Abario, if you're all about, you know, uh, a charge it, Kathleen O is faster than them. Kathleen O is faster than the Arkansas race. Like th this was a wildly good performance with outreaching to the bottom of the tank, well going wide, not a great trip, um, and just able to just circle the field and just get the job done. Kathleen knows 98 buyer, the highest of any three-year-old uh, on racing on Saturday. By the way, I, I'm so sorry. Somebody, I think it might have been Genghis, asked uh, Barbara Rhodes buyer. He got an 88 for the Arkansas Derby and a 92 for Cyberknife. So uh, sorry, I missed that one. This was, I agree with what Chris says here and what you've been saying and everybody else in the chat. Love Kathleen O. Uh, you have been on Kathleen O as long as I've been on Epicenter. So I feel like if we can get those two horses, if we get the Kathleen O into <laughs> Epicenter double, it's probably paying about $3 right now. But I, at least you and I will feel like, yeah, we knew this one, man. We got this one right. Literally last and five wide right now. Like th this is, the, this is like, don't get her in any trouble. She's so much better than these horses. That was what the instructions were from Shug here. And, and, and that's exactly how it played out. Um, so we got those two horses moving forward. The rest of this field, there wasn't much in it. Katish was supposed to be in this race and then, you know, she scratched and went to the bourbon Ed Oaks, but we will save the talk uh, for that a little bit later. Cause that's Mike Samich's favorite. Um, yeah. let's instead, let's go to uh, Oklahoma park. Let's talk about the fantasy stakes. Uh, we ended up having a field of, what was it? Uh, eight Phillies here. Uh, I secret oath might've won this race if she was in it, but we can talk about that later. Yugiri. Uh, the seven horse is going to get the lead, kind of be gifted a little bit here, and then she just never gave it up. What impressed me most, Mike, it, we'll get to it in about a minute and a half here, minute and 40, but uh, the stretch battle that she has with Beguine, which is a Philly that I've I've been paying close attention to all Oakland meet. Um, but, man, Yugiri, just so much heart in this effort. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a great front-running score. Again, going pretty quick there, sub-23 opening quarter, but really slows down mid-pace. And you can see uh, right to her outside there, Bubble Rock slows it down as well. And they, they really want to make this a, a race between themselves. The two horse who ends up in that 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 battle down the down the lane, uh, sitting right in third. And, and they, these are your main threats throughout the race to Yuguri. Uh, I thought this is a pretty good race. I don't think you get anything like this in the Kentucky Oaks, though. I mean, this is like, there's this horse named Echo Zulu. <laughs> You ain't getting in front of her. So forget about the wire-to-wire -wire win here for Yaguri um, in the Kentucky Oaks. And so it's going to be a lot – the waters get a lot deeper than what this race was. I thought this was uh, significantly weaker when you take out Secret Oath, and then there's just it's, – it's not a great race. And so I, I think these horses – it's a really fun race to bet, a, a really competitive race. Mm, not that much from Arkansas going to Kentucky that I'm really worried about, though. Yeah, for either side – well, Secret Oath aside, but um... – Yeah, I mean – I guess you got to give her. She, so, do you think Secret Oath is going to be the favorite in the Oaks? Dude, I don't know at this point. They're starting to get a little interesting. I think that uh, Nest is going to, I think she's got a good chance to make her. Look at this battle. Man, I, every step of the way, Yugiri had every reason to give up and she didn't. I love that fight. I love that fight. Looks the two right in the eye said no. Um, uh, I, do I think that, uh, what was the question? 
Secret Oath will be the favorite, favorite in the Oaks. Man, you've got Nest and you've got Adari Manor still to worry about. I say, oof. She might. Yeah, I think so. What do you think? I think so, too. I think she's maybe the third or fourth best Philly right now. There we go. There, see, now we're on the same page. Yeah. And not see now you're right. It's okay. <laughs> no, I, 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 the story sure. of her considering going to the Derby and now ending up in the Oaks, I think, creates this this uh, narrative that, that just going to get her hammered by the general public. And then also her numbers are good enough for horse players to lean toward her as well. So I think she's going to get a lot of respect from uh, the the casual crowd and a ton of respect from a lot of the horse players as well, and, and end up being the favorite because of it. Uh, she's actually right there on the screen. Uh, Bubble Rock, I mean, she could potentially, you know, go to the Kentucky Oaks if they wanted. Brad Cox says, nope, nope. We, yeah. we figured it out the way that she handled the dirt. It was yeah. a good effort for her. She's great to be placed on dirt, but yeah, definitely a turf horse for, for sure, Bubble Rock. And this is why I was willing to take with a shot. I had her fifth in my rankings going into this week. And this is like, they took the shot. She wasn't quite good enough. If she had stormed by Yaguri there, she would have been one of the horses that we're talking about here is possibly in the top three or four betting choices going into the Oaks as well. And obviously just not that good on dirt. So we can cross her off and uh, live to fight another day on the turf. Uh, let's go back to the chat. Chris says, what's your guys' thoughts about the Oaks pace? Unless the former Baffert gets in and he's talking about Adari Manor, will be racing in San Anita Oaks this weekend. It might be a paceless race. Yeah, the, the pace setup. I mean, you, you called it correctly, Mike, here, that Yugiri fast, early, slow him down on the back and then have enough late. Uh, right now, is she the pace setter in the Kentucky Oaks? I mean, Echo Zulu is, right? Oh, yeah. Duh. I forgot about it. I mean, it's, it's Echo Zulu and Adari Manor. And Hidden Connection also... Uh, has the ability to be up close when she wants to. We saw that uh, the, the previous race in Louisiana. I didn't see that last time. I was trying to run down Echo Zulu late. But um, I, I think Echo is going to be right up on the pace. And I, I Man, I, I'm not sure Kathleen O is going to be in the top three in the betting choices, which is wild to me. I hope I'm right about that. I like Between Adair Manor, between Echo Zulu, and between Secret Oath, I mean, you have a Breeders' Cup winner. You have a dominant California horse who is very fast. And you have a horse that just tried the boys because the trainer was so confident going against the Phillies. Uh, I, all three of those horses are taking money. I, I like I, this is turning out to be an amazing betting Oaks race because I think you're going to have a lot of people going a lot of different directions. We might have like a five to two, three to one favorite in the Oaks, which would be incredible. I don't know if uh, I feel like Echo Zulu people have really soured on her after that that uh fairgrounds oaks race which by the way the buyer that she got still better than what you hear he got for winning the fantasy stick so everybody wants to shit all over uh echo zulu uh still a better buyer 88 versus 86 here uh echo will be second off of the left listen if this keeps trending if echo zulu if you're wrong mike and, and i'm right which how often does that happen but if it happens here where she ends up becoming a little bit of a price she might get her way onto my ticket because I can make an argument at, at, at five, six, seven to one. I can make an argument for Echo Zulu three to one. I don't want to make that argument. Yeah. And, and I think what uh, what insane here is, is that we're looking at he, that that they are projecting Secret Oath to be the favorite. The second choice here, Echo Zulu. Yep. Then Kathleen O is the third choice. Yep. And by the way, we love going back and forth. So, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, really appreciate all the comments. Happy to go at it here. We're, we're, we love having fun and talking about this stuff. So thank you for joining us and, and commenting along. I, like I said, this is going to be a great betting race, and it's going to set up for a wonderful Oaks Derby double, which is one of my favorite wagers. And this year, you're going to have a, like a huge pool with a lot of different options on day one going into day two. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun in Kentucky the first Friday and Saturday of May. I just realized because he's on screen, this is Rudy Brissett's first career graded stakes winner. I can Look no longer keep fading Rudy Brissett in every single graded stakes race because he's never won one. I'll have to fade him because he's only ever done it once. <laughs> 
Yeah, now, now you have a different reason to fade him. I got a different reason to fade him. Uh, speaking yeah. of fading, uh, let's see how quickly we can fade out of this one. The Bourbon at Oaks at uh, Turfway Park, the race before okay. the Jeff Ruby Stakes. Now uh, this time, watch the 11. Katish. Okay, now I'm going to get it in here, okay? The 11 wants to be up front, misses the break, ends up going eight wide here, literally in the parking lot around this first turn, and, and runs pretty well. <laughs> and now taking kickback, doesn't want to do it. I stabled up Katish out of this. I'm actually excited to bet this horse back. We'll see where she ends up. Um, but I thought she ran her eyeballs out here in this spot. Uh, who, I think Sandstone won this, right? Am I wrong? No, it's the horse that's in last. Candy Raid. Oh, Candy Raid. That's right. This was the monster number, wasn't it? 52 to 1, I think she was. Yeah. yeah. Which I lo- yeah. like literally as they were going in the gate, I didn't say it. We didn't get a chance to say it on air when we were live, but I went, Bayerano is like, has won a ton of titles at Turfway. He's been very sneaky good there. Cantus or Keith DeSormo, uh, like he sent this horse here and he's sneaky in these spots. 52 to one's a decent price, but the, they'd already gone off. And I was like, shut your mouth. It's freaking no way. And then that happened. Uh, Nick, I probably prefer Katish on, uh, on dirt if we get her on dirt, but I, I think that she can run on both. I think she proved that here with this, this move. You're going to see her make a move. I think it's right now. She's circling the field. Yeah, that's her, uh, the green cap with the white and then the green stripe on the silver. So, uh, yeah, after being seven or eight wide, she makes this big move, and she stops, and she should stop. I mean, this is kind of what you'd expect. You see Mrs. Barbara, I think both Magic and I liked here, try and yep. hunt the front and just kind of flatten out, and, and then you just see, look, sometimes 52 one-shots win. Sometimes they romp. <laughs> this time they romped, and when a 52-to-1 shot romps, you don't take a ton out of the race behind it because it just it's one of those weird spots. 1-11 is flying on Turfway Park, too. They went very, very, very fast for Phillies at Turfway Park, so I'm not shocked that someone was able to come from off the pace and get the job done. 25 seconds from the three-quarter to the mile, but she did come home in six seconds flat, and I will note, I didn't catch it until just now, she was hit fewer times than Kathleen O. However, not a synthetic. I don't know if she'd been on synthetic before, and she tried dirt and turf multiple times to no avail, so um i mean if you want a player at a price this feels like one of those horses that uh, if i asked you who's going to get third in the oaks and you say put the names in a hat reach and grab one this is like a name that you grab but um i mean congratulations if you had her at a price uh but that's all i want to talk about that mike my next question for you did the kentucky oaks winner run last saturday yes kathleen o was going to win by two i'm like Okay, maybe not too. Maybe that's a little aggressive. Kathleen O is going to win the Call Kentucky. Your shot. Call your I, shot. I, I, I am not getting off my Kathleen O train right now. Yeah. Uh, I've been on it since we did a, a prep video. Uh, I don't know what, a month and a half ago, something like that. Um, for for the Devona Dale, I, yeah. I thought she was going to run huge there. She did. I had no no issues with her going two turns here. She looked awesome. Um, it, the way that she was ridden just reminds me of just like some of the dominant Phillies, like a beholder style, where they're just like, we're not getting in trouble because we're so much better than everybody else. And, and when I see that, it makes me like the horse even more, and she was able to do it and prove it and get the job done. So I'm still on that Kathleen O-Train. Uh, listen, I was on Adari Manor. <laughs> I was like, boy, I wish this horse – I think I've said it in multiple videos. Uh, I wish that she was with Baffert because I wanted to see her in the Oaks. She's not with Baffert now. Now she gets her shot. Um, do you have any concern about the fact that the, the yak team hadn't like the doppelganger didn't show up like really like the, with the barn switch? I'm not, I don't think I wasn't as high on doppelganger in that race to begin with. So the fact that he didn't win doesn't make me think, oh, yak team can't handle it. Yeah, I, no, and I like look, doppelganger didn't run well 
man, okay, it's San Anita facing American. Uh, I'm sorry, what's the name? I can't remember the name. What did you say? I was drinking the horse that the uh, horse that romped it at, at uh, San Anita, uh, Forbidden Kingdom. Uh, okay. the doppelganger was no match for Forbidden Kingdom, so like then coming here, I'm not expecting doppelganger. Like, I thought doppelganger was properly priced, I thought three to one was fair, um, and the horse just wasn't as good. And so you kind of move along, but the effort wasn't a significantly downgrade from or significant downgrade from what we saw at San Anita. So I, I'm not going to take anything against Jacqueline there. I think we'll find out more with Messier than anyone else because Messier is really the one that, that we're talking about. But let's be honest, they're still being traded by Baffert. Like this, it's not like this is any different right. than what was going on. So it, it like, yeah, on paper it says Jacqueline, but everyone knows it's really still a Baffert horse. So um, look, I, I'm not too worried about, about anything going to Jacqueline's barn at this point. We'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, Jacqueline was a former assistant for Baffert. So it's not like... It's not like this is that big of a jump. Um, I, I think Adair Manor is going to run pretty big on Saturday. I, I expect that she's going to be another one that's going to be involved in the betting there. Um, MK, this one, second, shouldn't you take a second look at a horse when it romps even at 52 to 1? Uh, this is a, a great wedding funeral situation in my mind. Uh, don't, don't go to the funeral if you miss the wedding. And I feel like the wedding was the 52 to 1 win. Next time we see that horse, it's not going to be 52 to 1. Um, and I, I have no, like even going back and looking at it, I don't really want her at 52 to one. When you go back and you look at the form, I can't get to her. And so if I can't get to her there and she ran fourth at fairgrounds, it's tough for me to say, oh yeah, I'm now going to jump back on her at 12 to one, 14 to one, whatever that price is next time out. Cause you're not going to get that same number. Now, if she's in the Kentucky Oaks, you may get that number, but I have no interest in, in 52 to one at, at, in the Oaks against a significantly more difficult field on a different surface. I was actually going to bring up that comment as well. I, Yes. The question or the answer is, shouldn't you? Yes. With an asterisk, the asterisk being this was a synthetic race prepping for the Kentucky Oaks. And what we're doing here specifically is, do we like this horse for the Kentucky Oaks? Fuck no. <laughs> do it. So if we were like, if that was a dirt race that she had won like that, absolutely. We're spending all sorts of time trying to figure out what did we get wrong? How can we get yeah. to her next time? And then Mike says wedding funeral, but then you're also not going to get 52 to one uh, if this had been a dirt win. So, uh, but definitely a great question. And, and he also thinks you're crazy or they think you're crazy because uh, they're like Kathleen. Oh, but see secret oath getting the jump on her first and winning. That will be interesting. Mike, we didn't talk about that, but the trip between Kathleen and secret oath and who rides secret oath. Did Louis Contreras lose the mount with that ride? Uh, We'll see what D Wayne Lucas does, but it's going to be, it's going to definitely be a jockey's battle between those two about timing that move. Just right. Well, it's going to be interesting. And you'd have two, two of the favorites flying at the front. You're going to have hidden connections sitting mid-pack. And then you're going to have two of the favorites flying from the back. And it's going to be how do you figure out, you know, who gets that trip. And, I, I mean, if it's a jockey's race, I'm not exactly ecstatic that we have Castellano sitting on, on Kathleen O either. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see what the prices are. And we'll see if everyone makes it to the race and what the pace is and what California shows this week. Obviously, there's a lot more to go still. So, you know, we're, we're five weeks out. Still very, very early <laughs> um, for, to actually put an official pickup. But if I'm betting right now without knowing the post or anything else or anybody, the, the horse that I think is the best filly right now is, is Kathleen O. The, uh, I wanted, I missed it completely, but let's go back to this one real quick. Did the Kentucky Derby winner run last Saturday, Mike? We're both pretty on, still on Epicenter. Yeah, I mean, Epicenter is my number one. Um, and the, the other problem with it is I don't think any, like there's only two horses that ran in my mind that could win, and that would be Epicenter, or that would be uh, a White of Barrio and Chancet. And I, I, I'm i hard-pressed to say either of them is going to win the Derby right now. So I, I'm going to probably, I'm going to lean no, but I, you know, I wish it was yes, but I think I'm going to lean no. Um, I'm seeing a couple of people that have brought up Kaiba in the chat um, it would be interesting if 
they run because not if, if he runs because or enters the San Diego Derby because he is not as of right now. Uh, Taiba is still with Bob Baffert, so uh, I would be surprised because they made that big move, right? They said Doppelganger, Messier, McLaren, Vale, all with eyes looking at the prep. So Taiba, they'd have well, to do any- a last second switch because the. No, he's already been nominated. I don't know if you can even do it now that he's been not. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, we'll find out what tomorrow. Probably that's when we're going to find out who's in the official San Diego Derby. I think Wednesday. the draw Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. No, everybody's just idiot. It would stop doing this waiting till Wednesday bullshit. I just I hate it so much. Um, let's see. Oh, Daryl brings up something. Uh, pool five is going to end early. Did is this true? I haven't seen this yet. Let me look this I, up. Real quick. I didn't know that. That's some real. Messed up stuff from Kentucky Downs or from Churchill Downs, if that's what they're doing, because that is before any of the preps on Saturday. So that means you're working with the current information versus with any new information, which is one of the main reasons I thought that they would push it out, um, because that new information, obviously, very important. We got three major preps going, including really the, the San Anita Derby, which I think is a really like the wood and the San Anita Derby could heavily affect that pool. I guess you could at Keeneland, too. But the wood and the San Anita Derby, because between Mo Donegal, which Again, a steam horse. And if Modonical runs huge, people are going to want to fire at that horse. And the two horses, Messier and Forbidden Kingdom out in California, if either of them runs off the screen and kills the other, then you have a very, very drastic adjustment there in the odds with one going down significantly and the other going up significantly. It's right. I checked. You've yeah, got I mean, you could, you could put a huge percent. bet on Forbidden Kingdom to win the Kentucky Derby and within three hours be completely screwed. <laughs> Or, or Messier. Because if either of them runs the other into the ground, you have no interest in one in the Derby. Yeah. <laughs> this is, oh, this is crazy. Man, I didn't realize that. Thank, Daryl, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, Mike and I are going to do a video in two days, and that's, uh, you just gave us a little bit more information to talk about. I like that. I will say, if you really like Forbidden Kingdom or you li- really like Messier in the San Diego Derby, you now have to look at that future pool and the closing odds and decide if you want to bet win in the future pool versus win in the San Anita Derby because the odds will make a, a large adjustment after that race. So if you think yeah. Forbidden Kingdom is going to roll Messier, the win bet, taking taking half your money you were going to bet to win in the San Anita Derby and putting that into the future pool on Forbidden Kingdom, you're going to get a significantly better price. That it's like There's some interesting game theory logic there that's going to be going on whether or not you want to spread it out. It is, uh, by the way, Tis the Bomb is 12 to 1 in, in Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 5. 12 to 1 uh, yeah. is, is what the morning line is. Uh, White of Barrio, 8 to I don't, Did this just come out? Uh, White of Barrio, 8 to 1. Smile Happy, 6 to 1. Favorite Forbidden Kingdom, Messier, 8 to 1. Yes, that's right. Smile Happy is after we. Who's still betting Smile Happy? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Epicenter's 5 to 1. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not used to seeing him with a single digit there. That threw yeah. me off there. Yeah, he's 5 to 1. But still, Smile Happy, 6 to 1. Hey, you remember when uh, White Barrio closed 171 to 1 in the first Derby Future Pool? And I was so sick that I didn't get a chance to put $5 on it like I was going to. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I think about it all the time, no Michael. I appreciate that. No uh, problem. With that, Mike, listen, we're going over the rails. No antics of any kind except speed, and there we go with the antics. By the way, I just realized 75, 76 of you watching this live. That is incredible. Thank you so much. Give us a like, a thumbs up. We really appreciate taking two seconds and does the world of good for us. Mike, where do you want to take us over the rails today? Yeah, so I I put a video together. We talked about this a little bit on Thursday, specifically. um, We talk about handicapping all the time, right? We always talk about how we got to a horse. This is who we like. This is why we like them. Uh, We don't as much talk about 
specifically the gambling side of it and the bet structure and proper betting strategies. And when I was playing poker, one of the big things that we, we would do is we'd sit around, we'd watch each other play tournaments, watch each other play cash games online, and we would tell each other where we're making mistakes, where there's leaks in our game, right? And you then plug the leaks to try and save money. I think one of the most common ones I find, I don't think people realize this, um, is betting to win versus betting win, place, and show. And so I'll quickly um, show something here that I did or put together one of these races uh, for uh, for the video here. If you could pull down the Magic Mike Show thing, I'd appreciate it. So this is the 11th race. I, I took three races from Saturday's card. Um, this is the 11th race. We had a 10 to 1 winner on my Philly Twirl, 99 to 1 shot in second, 4 to 1 shot in third. And you'll know that the favorite ran out at 4 to 5, right? So this is about as good of a scenario if you're great at picking a 10 to 1 shot to win. You get a monster place number and the favorite is running out. So it's a huge advantage here as a better. So let's pull up the numbers here. And let's take a peek at what it looks like betting to win versus betting win place show. So this is a $6 win wager right here. And here you can see the payout at $22. This is a $2 win place show bet. It costs you $6 as well. And here you can see the payouts in each place. Over 100 races, if you win 10% of the time with a 10 to 1 shot, you'll note you have a plus 14% ROI. You'll see that same ROI here for your $2 bet over 100 races. You're minus 10% as a place. If you have a 20% hit rate, so 20% of the time, you're 10 to 1 shots placing, you are losing 10% of your money. 30% of the time you hit the show bet, you're still losing 22% from an ROI perspective. So your plus 14% ROI betting it all to win goes to minus 6% betting a $2 win play show bet. Isn't that wild? Yeah, you're freaking blowing my mind here. Like, this is a 10 to 1 shot you're talking about. We're not talking about betting 5 to 1s or favorites. And uh, I'm guessing part of this is because of the frequency over 100 races of the likelihood of the favorite at 4 to 5 not running off the board and the 99 to 1 not hitting the board. Well, this is is assuming you get that price every time. This is the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, It just shows you how how diluted the place and the show show pools are and how much more value you get from the win spot. And when you mess with this, even if you go to 0.25, so 25% you hit the place and 40% you hit the show, you still have a 14% ROI versus a 10% ROI. So you're still better off just betting to win. Um, most people don't want to do this because you don't cash as many tickets. Your variance becomes higher because you don't hit the win bet every time because it's wildly frustrating. If you had this 10 to one shot that paid $9 to place, you had $0 on it to place when you had all of your money on it to win. But over the long run, it is a massive advantage to bet everything to win versus betting win place show huge edge. And then, you know, some people like to say, well, one thing I like to do is bet double on each of those. Look how much your ROI changes if you actually do that. Even at 25 and 40%, you go from a 4% to a negative 52% ROI. Crazy difference just by making those small adjustments. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's it's there's huge edges here that you see. And, and so you got to look at this as a long term. It's better to have the larger variance and just put your money to win. That's incredible. <laughs> That's, yeah, so, I love that. Uh, so, wow. We'll have a, I have the full video up on uh, well, Magic is going to edit it and then it's going to go up uh, on Racing Dudes YouTube page. I went over three separate races um, from uh, the day. I, I have the Florida Derby with White Abario at five to two. I've got that race at ten to one. And I've got the eight to one shot in the first race, giving examples of exactly how it plays out in all three. Um, but yeah, it, you really betting to win versus betting win play show. Your money is much better spent in the win column. I don't think people realize that as much as they should. And I would say it's probably the one of the, the easiest leaks to fix in a horse better's game. You just have to start betting win instead. 
getting some love for it in the chat too. This is a great, this really is great content. I'm not just saying it because you're part of it. Nick says best content ever. So important for money management. Chris said, how about them apples? Yeah, that's right. Um, Joe brings up a good question, a good follow-up. Is there ever a good reason in your mind to bet placer show? Yes, with a bunch of asterisks. Yeah, so totally. One of I so I bet every single time I go to the track with my dad, we bet a show parlay. It's one of the most fun bets you can make. It's a great reason to bet. You're going there for entertainment. Betting the show can be a lot of fun. So I, I don't want to like say I, to knock it. The other scenario, and this is something I used to do, is if you scour the pools and you find advantages where specific horses are underrepresented in certain pools, then betting the show makes sense. But that's only as a show bet. You shouldn't be betting the horse win play show. You should be betting the horse to show. So if you see, let's say, a five to one shot, that is the second choice in the race, third choice in the race, make it easier, third choice in the race in an eight horse race, but they're the sixth choice in the show pool. All of a sudden, there is value in the show pool in that sense. Like a uh, great example, the um, Dubai World Cup. Your favorite, <laughs> your favorite was taking 55% of the win money, but only 20% of the show pool. It was a better bet to bet that donkey who ended up finishing fourth to show <laughs> uh, life is good. Who ends up finishing fourth. If it was a better bet to bet him to show than to win because of the money separate, the, the separation of the, the money in the pool. So yes, there are good times to bet place and show, but they should be single place and show wagers. They should not be win place and show. Um, the other example is sometimes people say, well, I, I like this 80 to one shot. I think they have a shot to show, but not to win. Uh, that gets a little dicey because if they do win, you're really kicking yourself if they're 80 to one. <laughs> uh, Nick brings up a good point. Computers, the computer model has been killing the place show bet a little bit. Um, uh, Thorne says like betting place in the stateside Australian pools. There's a lot of value. It gets funky when you get to, to Europe and Australia because sometimes fourth and even fifth place can pay to place with it, which what? for them is show. It, it's, it's, I don't understand the rules. I don't try to understand it. It's a little screwy. And that's this is this is all U.S. betting. I, I don't bet those pools, and so I don't know those nearly as well. And Block Party nails it. Second and third is providing insurance. Insurance is not a good thing. <laughs> you lose money in your life playing insurance, and that's exactly what it is. Is that people want to be able to say, "I cashed the ticket." People want right. to be able to say, "Oh, I got this or I got that." Right. And so when you do that, you kind of go through this process, and these, these numbers are a little messed up because I've changed something. Oh, yeah, the, this. Um, so when you go through that process, um, you're, you're giving away some of your profits because you want to be able to say, I had the place, I had the show, versus just sticking your money into that win pool where long term you're going to have a significantly higher ROI than if you bet win, play, show. And now this is also the difference of do I go to the track once a month and I want to cash tickets on that day? Or do I bet every single day on TVG, on Naira Bets, on Express Bet? Because if you're betting every single day, it makes a big difference. If you're going and you're betting one day, it doesn't make that big of a difference. And you're doing it for fun. And then, by all means, go win, play, show. But like, if you're trying to, to really manage your money well and you're, you're playing a lot, betting to win versus betting to win, play, show makes a big difference. Uh, Trail Mix brings up a good point here. I think is a good way to end is it's also possible to backwheel a horse in an exotic bet instead of using place and show. Sometimes another long shot will win. The payoff can be enormous. This is how Jared Welch likes to bet. I know with his, uh, with, with tries, he loves to key one horse and backwheel with a bunch of other ones. Uh, it's something I'm trying to do. I, I started off as a show better. And then I was like a win play show better with a certain, you know, if they were a certain odds or something, but I got away from it because it was too, it's too boomer bust. Like, yeah, you get insurance, but then Aaron brought up a great point to me too. It's like, if you go win, play show all the time and you're good and good enough to where they're winning, like think about how much more 
like like the horses you're picking, how you're handicapping, is it more profitable for you to do it win versus win play show? And I did what you did, Mike. I kind of did a model. It wasn't 100 races, but it was enough for me to go, yeah, no, this is not the right thing for me. Well, additionally, when you're handicapping and you're about a horse to win play show, are you handicapping to have them finish third? Are you handicapping to have them finish second? No, you're picking them to win, and you're paying for insurance if they don't get the trip, the job done, whatever it is. Um, And, you know, I feel like I have inflated numbers. If you have a 10 to 1 shot that's showing 30% 30 of the time, that's damn good. Like that, that's impressive. So um, I, I feel like my numbers are inflated on the back and I think that should be more like 10, 15, 20. Um, and that's, that's tough. So yeah, I, I think the win bet is the same. Chris brings up a good point here. Um, I do bet show bets in tournaments. Uh, it is a great way to get past minimums. Like, so down at, I played the Lone Star tournament with Aaron last year. And the two of us sat there and I think we probably bet six or seven, $500 show bets. Cause you had to bet $2,500 in the first six races. A great way to get around that is to bet $500 to show on specific horses and just move along to the next race. So there is a time and a place, but it is very, in my mind, specific situations. It's been a lot of great content. Really appreciate you guys in the chat. Alex, I'll, I'll, this was a, a, I love this one. My grandpa bet $2 to win on every horse in every race. Cash the most tickets, lost the <laughs> most money. <laughs> well, yeah, if you bet at every race, you're going to cash one a race. You just better hope the prices are coming in. <laughs> Uh, listen, this was a fun episode. We've hit our hour. We really appreciate y'all joining us. We'll be back on Thursday. It's Keeneland opening weekend. So, of course, Mike, we're going to Keeneland for the late pick four. So show up on Thursday at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. Mike and I will be covering the Keeneland late pick four, which is going to include the $1 million grade one for the first time in several years, bluegrass stakes. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellowart. He is at some Obama 18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Oh, due to bet sports is live in one hour. Uh, they're going to be covering the national championship game, which I no longer care about because Villanova's out and I- I'm out of the running. So uh, I don't care. And also Duke's not going to win it. So that makes me happy. I got three things. Yes. One, I like North Carolina plus four tonight. Okay. Two, Colin Mirakawa winning the Masters, currently 18 to one. Three, my boy Nick brought it up. Turf pick three is back. $3 pick three at Keeneland with three turf races. Love this bet. It was great bet. Paid out wonderfully. They're bringing it back. Also, $1 pick six with a low takeout. It's one of the better pick sixes to play. So take a look at that, too. If you have a big opinion before the pick five, if you feel like you got a couple singles in the pick five, take a look at playing the $1 pick six. It's a great wager. Dennis, you're about to get banned. I'm not even going to put that up here. We'll see you on Thursday at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 